0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, really excited about this theme, excited about what God is doing at this moment in time. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I think if you read my email, you will know that uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about Good Friday. I'm excited about the gifts. I'm excited about getting back in next Sunday and seeing people face to face. And um, yeah, there's just something about connection, isn't there, that is easy to miss in the midst of it all. Have you got the little clicker there, Dave? All right. I'm going off screen again here. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, um, we have been on our prayer series, as you know. Um, we've been on it quite a few weeks now, and um, going through the Lord's Prayer. We because because uh, it's an eight-week course. We're doing it over sixteen because the, the, the hone into our life group, so we're doing two weeks in each subject, which is wonderful, actually, because there's so much to say on each aspect of it, so it was lovely that we were able to get two weeks on, on, on each of these. And so this is the second week in intercession. If you didn't pick up on last week's talk, it would be really good to do that. Um, this is a sort of a number two on it, and it's really, really important. We're looking at the art of intercession and um Last week, uh, just to give you a little quick brief um, rundown on it, last week um, we we asked the question, what is intercession? And we looked at four aspects of what intercession could be. We saw that intercession might be defined as love on its knees for others. We saw it standing in the gap in prayers. God for someone who maybe isn't able sufficiently at that particular time, capable of, of doing it for themselves, somebody maybe that's in grief or in sickness, that's not able actually to pray um, for themselves. It's identifying with the sins of those who you're praying for, and then we looked at how a prayer offered to others that's directed by the Holy Spirit, and God is in need of intercessors. We looked at some of the verses in the Old Testament where it seemed to be breaking God's heart that Actually, there was no one that says in Ezekiel, he found no one to actually stand in the gap and intercede for the people. So these are these th- th- this type of prayer is a prayer, a type of prayer that changes situations, that changes lives and circumstances through the fervency of it. And James 5 says this that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And so there's something about prayer that we all could do with learning. All of us need help in our prayer life, self-included and God has given us authority through Jesus to change these things. This is the amazing thing. And we we can come against the works of the devil in our intercession. And we looked at this verse last week very quickly. In Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. So to be an intercessor is to be like Jesus. That's basically what I'm saying because it's an it's an activity that identifies us with Jesus. Basically, that's a good way of saying it, all right? It's an activity that identifies us with Jesus, as we'll see um, as we go through this. In Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, it says, Jesus lives forever. Because he lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, therefore, he is able to save completely, or to the uttermost you're authorized will say, those who come to God through him because because Jesus always lives to intercede for them. Isn't that amazing that Jesus always lives as an intercessor for us? Now, we said last week that there are two acts that continually go on before the throne. There's the act of intercession as Jesus intercedes for us, and there's the act of accusation where the enemy would accuse. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. We looked at this last week, how John 10, 10 says that the thief talking about the devil, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's out to steal from you. He's out to kill you. He's out to rob all kinds of joy from your life. But he says, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. And not just any old mediocre kind of life, life to the full, abundant, and bursting out, all right? So there's something so beautiful about that. We also looked last week about who we intercede for intercede for, excuse me, and um, we, we looked at this verse where Paul said to Timothy, sort of recording four types of prayer, he said, I urge you, first of all, first of all, the first thing I need to tell you, Timothy, as you pastor this church in Ephesus, here's the first thing you need to know. You need to know that, first of all, you need to make petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving for all the people, for the kings and those that are in government, because we need to live peaceful and quiet lives, and these are good. He says, this is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about the who we intercede for, because it'll help us in how to do it, because that's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about how to, the practical um, act of intercession. That's what we're going to look at today. Intercession means praying for someone besides you. That's basically what it says. And that someone may be near and dear to you. It may be someone who um, may maybe on the mission field that you're not even that you don't even know, but you've just heard it may be for a a justice thing around the whole idea of abortion and things like that, that you just feel the call to intercede for. So this morning, I wanna talk to you about how do we intercede? How do we do it? How do we practically get involved? Now, last week I mentioned three areas of intercession that are so important in the how-to, and these are them. It's it's interventionist, where we intervene with someone, we step into the situation with a divine purpose in view and we, by doing this, we put the powers of darkness under our feet. The moment we do this, we begin to take authority, all right? We begin to take that authority that God has given us the moment we intervene in prayer. And then what we do is we create an intersection. We're gonna look at this a, a lot more in a moment or two. And this is a place where two roads meet. Through prayer, we bring the power of God. We open up another avenue into the situation And then we pray it right through till we see an interception where it means to stop or to take over and even reverse the direction of something. Now it's important to note that the act of intercession, this is important that you grasp this, that the act of intercession is bringing two parties together. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. It's bringing, it's grabbing hold of two parties and bringing them together. That's what intercession is. Means and intercession is different than any other type of prayer because it's an action. All right, it's an action. It's not just falling down onto your knees and going through a list. There's activity involved. There is, there is, um, there is angelic um, and demonic activity involved because all the demons of hell will come against intercession, and all the angels of heaven will be empowered by the act of intercession. You need to know that. So it's a fight, and it's a battle, and it's a very powerful thing. And this is why Jesus lives to intercede for us. By his death and resurrection, he brought us together with God. He joined us together. He became our mediator, our bridge, as it were. He became the one that would bring us together. Now, an interesting thing, I've been in this journey for a few years. Um, I told you that back in 2018, when I turned 60 and I was thinking about the decade and God began to really speak to me about intercession. So I have a couple of years of really studying this and looking into it and I, I, I'm still, I feel like I'm just a novice at the minute to tell you the truth. And and I, I'm, I'm learning so much as I, I've i been reading all I can on it. I've been trying to get before God and implement it and do it. And um, the word for intercession in the Old Testament is the word paga. Are pronounced pagaw, um, and if you if you use Strong's, if you're a study of the Bible and you use Strong's Concordance, you'll see in six two nine three in Strong's the meaning of this word pagaw. It means a primitive root to impinge by accident or violence or by importunity to come between, to cause, to entreat, to fall upon, to make intercession, to entreat, to lay, to light upon, to meet together, to pray, to reach and to run. Like when you read that Strong's definition of intercession of pagah it, it almost leaves you breathless. It's an incredible thing. Now, again, if you use Strong's, you'll find that it's, it happens 46 times It's used 46 times. This is really interesting to grab this. It's used 46 times in the Old Testament, but 44 of those times the word intercessor is not mentioned. And and I find this incredibly interesting, right? So 44 of the 46 times um, the word intercession or intercessor is not mentioned in this word pagal. Now, uh, uh, a prime example of this is found in in Job 2.11, I'll throw a couple of verses up to show you what I mean. So when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shunite, and Zophar the Namathite, I think, um, heard that all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. I've underlined and put in red that, those, those words, they met together. That's the word pagah. That means intercession. They met together. There was a coming together. There was a coming together. Now, many, many times if I've read all the, the, the forty-six of them, and they're really, really interesting. Like uh, and let me let me show you another one. Those these these are the three words. This is why I've used three words like uh, that sort of almost sound a little bit like intercession. So intervention, intersection, and interception. That's why I've used those three words that we could remember them. Here's another illustration, all right? In Joshua 17, verse 10, it says, the territory of Manasseh reached to the Mediterranean Sea and bordered Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. And again, that little term, reached to, is the word pagah in the Old Testament. So when Jacob built the ladder, or when Jacob built his, put the stones down and went to sleep um, at Bethel, and he saw a ladder. It says the ladder reached from heaven to earth. Pagah, that's the word pagah. So the word reached, it's about, it's about bridge. And only twice, actually, only twice of the 46 mentions is the word intercess, intercessor mentioned in that word pagah in the Old Testament. And both times refer to Jesus himself. And the first one of those is found in Psalm 59. And it's talking about, in verse 16, that he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own, talking about Jesus, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. And then again, in Isaiah 53, which is a Uh, one of the messianic chapters in the Old Testament. And when we say a messianic chapter, what we mean is the whole chapter is all about Jesus and so all about the Messiah. And so this is a messianic chapter, Isaiah 53, and it says, because he poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So basically what it's saying is Jesus became the bridge. He became the intercessor. He became the one who grabbed the hold of one thing and grabbed the hold of another thing and brought them together and became the mediator, became the bridge. He became the intercession is a bridge. It created an intersection. It made heaven and earth collide. That's basically what it's saying. And so intercession makes two things collide. This is really important, you grasp this. Now, if Jesus intercedes, this is really important. If Jesus intercedes, then we looked at this verse very quickly last week in Romans 8. Not only does Jesus intercede, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Look at this. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps. We'll come back to that word helps in a minute. Helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know how we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us, not amazing, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. What, what that is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So Jesus intercedes and now we see that the Spirit intercedes. And that word helps in the Greek just simply means two parties coming together to bear a burden. That's what that word means two parties coming together to bear a burden and the simple but profoundly theological description of prayer is the transference of a burden that's what it means so the apostle peter would say casting all your care upon him because he cares for you so if you go into your prayer closet and you come out with a burden you, you haven't prayed you've just complained I say it again, if you go into your prayer closet and you carry the burden out of the prayer closet, you haven't prayed, you've just complained. There is something about... Unburdening ourselves. Remember, we talked about the camel last week that has to get the legs, its knees unlocked, to have to beat the knees to get it to, to bow before the burden can be taken off the, the beast because its knees has locked. And so there's this idea how do we do it? If Paul told Timothy to pray and intercede for all people, and he gives us the examples that Jesus is, in, is an intercessor and the Holy Spirit is an intercessor, and Paul's telling Timothy to intercede for all people, then how do we do this? How do we do it? Well, you can build a bridge between heaven and the person or thing you're praying for. And first you have to remember how Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray. And he said, when you pray, you say, our father who art in heaven. And basically what you're doing is, let me give you an example. Say you're praying for a Say you're praying for someone who is away from God. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your son or daughter and they're, they're away from God and we'll call, him, we'll, we'll call him Joe, all right? And we'd say Joe is away from God at the minute and, and we really need to pray for, for, for him. And um, so what, what we do is, what we do in intercession, we grab hold with one hand of the Father. We pray Our Father who art in heaven. We say, God, you're majestic, you're holy, you're just. I love you, God. I love you. Your, 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 your fullness overwhelms me. God, you are the one who created the heavens and the earth. You're the one who created them with a, a, a word of, of your power. You're the one who who breathed life into us in the very first place. And God, I just want to declare my love for you. And then you say, God, but but Joe... He's away from you at the minute and, and he's my boy and I love him and I'm I'm broken about this God and and God I I, I wanna I wanna I wanna have ask you today that you would come and move in his behalf. God, I pray right now that you would start to even put thoughts in his heart towards you. God, even the things that he learned from me, he was a child. God, that you would start to bring them back into his being and see what I'm doing with my hands as I'm interceding. What I'm doing, I'm I'm connecting two parties. I'm saying, God, would you, would you start to bring people around, Joe, that, that love you? Would you start to bring divine appointments into his being? God, I'm asking you that you would reconnect him with you because, God, you, we know you love him just like you love anyone. You're no respecter of persons. And what we do is we build a bridge. That's intercession. We build a bridge. We bring two parties together. That's why the word pagah means reach to, reach to. Heaven reached the earth. When Jesus came to earth, heaven reached the earth. And he pulled two parties together. He became our mediator. That's what he's asking us to do in intercession. And so whenever, um, last week in the, in, the, in the life groups, you saw the little video and Pete mentioned four things that I thought were really good. I put them on the screen. He said, get informed, get the facts, get to know what's going on in Joe's life or, or Linda's life or whoever it is and get inspired Get inspired by it. What does God send you? What is God leading you? And then get indignant. Get angry about it. Allow violence to rip in your soul to say, I'm not standing for this. This is not going to happen in my home. This is not going to happen in my watch. This is not going to happen in our town. Suicides are not going to take over in our city. We are not going to stand for this. You get indignant. You allow it to break your heart, and then you get in sync. You just say, Dave, Al, Chris, Marty, Steve, will you come? Will you pray with me? Will you join with me in this journey? Can we get together in this? And so you, what you do is you grab God by one hand, you grab the issue or the person by the other hand, and you just bring them together and you make a bridge. Incredible, isn't it? Over 20 years ago, I was in Florida on holidays with the kids, and I went to Grace Church in Orlando on a Sunday morning, and it's pastored by a guy called Clark Whitten. And in Clark Whitten's church in Grace Church, there was a lady who was an intercessor. She had been an intercessor for for many, many years in the church, and she was married to she was married for 42 years. And her husband wasn't a believer, and she'd prayed every single day for her husband. And her husband was a lovely man. They had a good marriage. He was very sympathetic to her faith. He just never had accepted Jesus Christ as her savior, as a savior. And um, one day on a business trip. This lady's husband that I'm telling you about was killed in a car accident. And, um, and they buried him. And about a month after his funeral, um, she gets a phone call to her home phone. And this man on the other end of the phone said to her, can I speak to your husband? Can I speak to so-and-so? And she said, oh, I'm really sorry. Obviously you obviously haven't heard, but my husband was killed in a car accident a month ago. And the guy on the other end of the phone went deathly quiet. He just went really quiet. And he said, would you mind if I asked you when that happened? And she told him the, the time and the day that it happened. And he, he, he took a deep breath and he says, ma'am, I know you're a believer and so am I. And I have something to tell you. She said, um, on the morning your husband, t- you tell me your husband was killed. He said, I awoke. And he said, God spoke to me. And um, she said it was so, he said it was so forcible, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't wrestle it. He said I was trying to wrestle out of it because he said I'd never done anything like what God was asking me to do. She said, he said to her, you see, I'm a businessman and I go to work in a suit and a shirt and tie. And he said that morning as I got ready for work and I about to go out, he said God spoke to me and told me not to drive into the city but to go out and hitchhike. And he said i have never hitchhiked in my life But he said, it wouldn't go away. So he said, I got dressed and I went out onto the freeway with my suit, my shirt and tie and my briefcase. And he said, I stuck my thumb out. And he said, immediately I stuck my thumb out, a car pulled in. And he said, it was your husband. And he says, can I ask you, were you talking to him on that day? And she said, well, he when he was in business, he would ring me every morning. He'd ring me first thing in the morning, and then he would ring me last thing at night. And obviously, she said I'd spoke to him that morning, but that was the last I'd, I'd ever spoke to him. Well, he said, I put my thumb out, and the car immediately pulled in. It was your husband. And he says, uh, I led your husband to Jesus on the way down into the city. And he said he was so excited to phone you and tell you that night. That's That's intercession. 42 years, 42 years. Some of us think of the quick fix, don't we? 42 years of holding on to God, holding on to our husband and pulling them together. And when push came to shove, God made sure the bridge was there. That's intercession. So whatever you're praying for or whoever you're praying for or whatever you're interceding for, don't you dare give up. Don't dare give up because the God who made time made plenty of it as, as regards our, our aspect of it and as regards his aspect of it because time doesn't matter to him. And the, when the bridge is needed, When the bridge is needed, I'm telling you, if you intercede, the bridge will come. I could keep you here till mid-afternoon telling you story after story personally of personal intercessions in my life where I've interceded for years and years and years for people and led them to Jesus on a deathbed. Why? Because someone interceded. There's something about this. There's something about... And and one of the unique stories of this is found in Exodus 32. Exodus 32. I'll not take time to, to to unpack the whole story, but it's the, the context of the story is Moses up the mountain. He's been up there for 40 days and 40 nights. He's went into a cloud. God's given him all the instructions of how to build a tabernacle and how to build a dwelling where God would come and dwell with his people on earth, because that's what God has always wanted to do. He's always wanted relationship. And so what happens is then the people get um, a little bit impatient down in the uh, down at the bottom of the mountain, and they build a golden calf. You probably know the story. And what happens is God then comes to Moses. Let me read a little bit of the story to you. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, Moses, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've 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 been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and they've made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. And these have bowed down to it and they've sacrificed it to it. And Uh, They've said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone. This is God speaking to Moses. He obviously knows Moses is an intercessor. He obviously knows that Moses is gonna step up to the plow here, all right? He says, now Moses, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I will destroy them and make you a great nation. Um, now, again, I said it, it would seem that God knew it would intercede. Now, here's what happened. Then Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. And he said, You see what Moses is doing now? Moses is grabbing God by one hand, he's becoming an intercessor. So he grabs God by one hand and he says this to God. He says, Why would your anger burn against your people? <laughs> Remember, God had said to him, your people, Moses, your people. God said, oh, excuse me, God, they're not my people, they're your people. You see, my boy is not really my boy, he's your boy. <laughs> my friend's not really just my friend, you see, he's your friend. And, and he, he said, why would your anger burn against your people who you have brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? A powerful, and he goes on to say this. He says, why would the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, God. This is Moses talking to God. Turn from your fierce anger. He's got God by the hand now. He's saying, God, remember who you are. Remember remember your promise to your people. God, you're holy, you're just, you're mighty, you're powerful, you're majestic, and I love you with all my heart. This is what Moses is saying to God, right? And then this is what he does. Then he, he says, he takes by the other hand now. This is intercession. He takes by the other hand. He says, remember the promise you made to your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, whom you swore by yourself, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and I will give your descendants all the land that I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. Look what it says. Then the Lord relented. Actually, your authorized version says repented. (laughs) And it's the Old Testament um, version of means change of mind. It's not the New Testament version. It's not the Greek of repent. It's the Hebrew of repent. And it means a change of mind. Moses changed God's mind. Now, I had somebody said to me recently, well, not recently, a wee while ago we had a conversation about this and they said to me, oh, well, God knew Moses was gonna do that. And then I said, well, then are you saying God was bluffing? Because God doesn't bluff. When God said he was gonna destroy them, he was gonna destroy them. Actually, Hebrews 6, 18 says this. It says that by two immutable things, and that's God's oath and his covenant, it is impossible for God to lie. God cannot bluff God cannot lie. God was going to destroy these people. And and what happened was Moses took God by the hand, reminded him of his character, reminded him of his holiness, reminded him of his majesty, took the uh, children of Israel by the other hand and said, God, they're your people. And you made a covenant to Abram and to Isaac and to Jacob. And God you can 't break this covenant. you just can 't and he began to intercede and as he began to intercede, what he did was he built a bridge, he built a bridge, and when the bridge was complete when when the interception was made, not the intersection but the interception when he had prayed it through, the bridge was complete, and the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened it 's pretty incredible stuff isn 't it I, uh, I finish with a story and um it's a pretty grueling story, but it's a true story. And I read it some years ago, um, just after World War Two. the Americans actually, um, guys, maybe if you want to come and get ready, we'll we'll finish with a song. Um, we're going to sing a beautiful song in, in a minute. And um, I think it's really important that we grab this song. I'm just getting the words of it because it's a beautiful song. Um, and the story's told of a, a that the American, the American government actually funded some orphanages in Europe after the war um, to help with kids who had been orphaned during the war, whose parents had been killed. And in one of those orphanages, a frail old gentleman, very frail and very thin, walked in one day with a little girl who was also very thin and very frail. And um, he said, I want to I leave my little girl in the orphanage and the man behind the desk asked he said well are, are you a parent and he said yes I'm I'm her dad and he said I'm really really sorry but this this is an orphanage and we cannot take anyone in while a parent is alive and he said to her he, he said to him but I, I can't look after my daughter I'm frail I'm old and I've been in prison camps I have no money and my, my daughter will die And he said, I'm really, really sorry, but it's a policy and I'm really sorry. There's nothing we can do to help you. And the old gentleman said this, he said, are you telling me that if I was dead, that if I was dead, you could take my daughter and you could give her clothes and you could give her food and you could give her shelter and you could look after her and make sure she's educated. And he said, that's right. And the old gentleman lifted his little daughter And he hugged her and he kissed her. And then he took her hand and he put her hand into the hand of the man behind the desk, the employee of the home. And he said, I will arrange that. And the story goes that he went out and hanged himself. Now I tell you that story because that's a shocking story to remind you that in eternity past, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had a conversation and um, and that conversation was about you and me and I imagine Jesus asking the question to the father are you telling me that there's no hope for these people unless I die for them and the father said that's right and so Jesus took your hand and he took my hand and he put it into the hand of the Father and he walked out of heaven and he came to earth and he hung on a cross to buy us back to God and to redeem us he built a bridge he became the greatest intercessor that ever lived and he built a bridge from heaven to earth and he became our mediator that's what intercession is And um, when we intercede, we become like Jesus. (laughs) We become bridge builders. We follow the example of the greatest bridge builder of all. And here's the thing. We live in a very self-centered world. But there are a lot of people out there that need us to build a bridge. Some of your neighbors right now you're, 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 you're their only hope. And God is maybe calling you to build a bridge. Maybe someone that you've given up on, that you've prayed for for a long time, and you've just given up on because it seems like the prayers are just bra- hitting a brass sailing. Don't you dare give up. Like my friend of, that I heard the story of many years ago, who for 42 years, when the bridge was needed, the bridge came. So never give up. Never give up. That's why I say when we pray prayers like, Father, may your kingdom come and be on earth as it is in heaven. That's a gigantic prayer right there. That is That is grabbing heaven by the lapels, as it were, and pulling it right down into the situation because it reaches, you see. Heaven reaches. The ladder in um, Genesis reminds us that heaven reaches the earth. And so if you've got a friend or a loved one or a relationship or a financial situation or a brokenness or a sickness, and you need heaven to come to earth, I can tell you right now, pagal, pagaw, pagal, They meet together. They reach, they reach. And so we're going to sing this beautiful song. Your grace is enough, more than I need. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it, that His grace is actually even more than we need. There's such abundance to that. So one of the little lines says, I will fall at your feet. I'll fall at your feet and worship you there. Will you grab Him? By the hand today and say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. But God, there's people in my neighborhood who don't know you. There's Frida over there. Or there's Bertha over there. Or there's Jim over there. And God, they need you. And God, I'm going to be that bridge. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to, I'm going to intercede for them. I'm going to pull them to a place where they, where the bridge is made. And they make that's intercession powerful jesus does it holy spirit does it and you can do it let's sing this song and then i'll come back and pray and uh now allow us just uh, our hearts to be touched by this as we sing it allow it to be our prayer that we'll fall at his feet and worship that we'll take on this great act of intercession as we begin to pray for others Thanks, Stephen. we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast for more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.